The Voyage of the August, presented by the Electric Light Collective. Being an account of the good ship August and her voyage from the docks at Boston to what fate befell her at sea. Episode 2, Yarns. Cecil and Douglas walk through the frame, carrying a satchel of maps, charts, and navigational equipment, and Douglas's small chest of personal effects. Ever sailed before, lad? No. You've done well to start with the August. She's a fine ship. I've sailed with her for many a year. Mind that crate there? Have you family in the trade? No. Where are we bound for? Well, we're picking up cargo here, tobacco and the like, things from the colonies, and stopping by in England before we go round south the Horn and onward to India. Round the Horn? Cape Horn? No, Mr. Douglas. The Horn of Africa. Your Cape Horn is in South America, on the other side of the world. I'm sure you've heard the stories, even if you haven't managed to set foot in a ship in your what? Seventeen years? Sixteen. And, well... Sometimes the old sailors say there'd be sea monsters and leviathans and things around the horn. White whales and cursed beasts. The only beasts we're liable to find there are the Dutch. Maybe some Frenchies. They've a formidable colony on the Cape of Good Hope. And I've never managed to leave Boston. Here we are, the August. Home again. Oi, Mr. Lawrence! Mr. Teague! Excellent to see you, sir! Is that a new midshipman I spy, Mr. Lawrence? Yes, sir. He'll be a bright one. Could you send a man for a sea chest? Tom, fetch the boy's luggage, will ya? Aye, aye, sir. I can carry it aboard myself. If you insist. Belay that, Mr. Teague. Over the side, like this, see? You'll get the hang of it. Mind the cannon. Careful of your footing. It'll take a bit to get accustomed to the movement of the ship. Aye. A word of wisdom. Calling your superior officer, sir, assures them you aren't getting airs. Midshipmen are only junior officers, after all. Oh, my apologies, sir. Mr. Lawrence will do just fine. All right, Mr. Lawrence. Captain and Mr. Montague aboard. Mr. Maddox, you're back. Cecil, Mr. Lawrence. Damn good to see you. Is that a new lad behind you? Yes, sir. May I present James Douglas, the newest member of our company. Don't be shy, Mr. Douglas. Hello, sir. Fine to meet you, lad. Have you your sea legs? Well, I just came on board. I reckon they'll come in time. Not a moment to waste, Mr. Maddox. Right, right. Keep a weather eye. We have some precious cargo coming apart. Don't be slacking, Douglas. There's a moment of quiet as Maddox, Montague, and Blackwall walk away. Who is that, Mr. Lawrence? That'll be our Mr. Maddox. He's the first mate. And Captain Blackwall. And the rich-looking fellow is Mr. Montague. He owns this ship, and a few more besides. I see. When will we be sailing? We'll cast off tomorrow morning, before first light. The wardroom of the August, the faint sound of glasses clinking and indistinct conversation. Maddox makes his way through the stuffy room and sits next to Teague, Cecil and Douglas. Fire winds today in a red sky, boys. It'll be good to be on a lucky ship. Aye, you'll be our good luck charm. You and your red head... The captain didn't see fit to invite you to share his table tonight, Maddox. No, I believe he's busy entertaining Mrs. Montague. Mrs. Montague? Not also the miss? I believe so. Who can say? The captain's as inscrutable as old Mr. Montague sometimes. It isn't hard to imagine why they got on in the first place. Entertaining Mrs. Montague, you say? 
None of that, Teague. She's a lady and we'll speak of her as such. Oh, aye. Whatever you say, Maddox. Wish I could share a game or two of whist, but I best get up to my post. This is the tail end of the evening meal, and conversation is trailing off as people go to their watches or turn in for the night. You made a fool of me again, Sisu. Come in the Lee Shore you have. And I'll do it again and again, until you let me teach you the craft. I told you, I don't need lessons in whist from a boy like you. I learned my game in the Navy, Ambrose. There are few places where a man learns better. Are you all right there, Mr. Douglas? I'll be fine, Mr. Dorrance. You'll get your sea legs in time, lad. Even seasoned sailors lose their sea legs with lack of use. Absence may make the heart grow fonder, but the sea is a cruel mistress who will make you pay for your lack. <laughs> like you'd know a thing about a mistress. Better to chase the wind than chase skirts. I recall in the Falmouth, you were indisposed for a week out of port, Ambrose, and not just from seasickness. You've sailed together before. Aye, on that cursed ship. Falmouth, barely worth speaking of. Cursed? What do you mean? I reckon we're the only two who managed to complete that voyage in full health. We were bound for the Netherlands. A, a plague, an ague of sort, struck us on the voyage back to America. A few days out of port, one of the lookouts caught sight of a great scarred beast following in the Falmouth's wake. The fin alone must have been the height of the horse. Now and then we caught a glimpse of its ugly maw grinning up from the water. What? A leviathan? A shark followed us. As sharks are wont to do, the cook throws scraps overboard, the shark gets a good meal. It followed us for seven days and seven nights, and on the seventh night the captain fell ill. He was dead before sunrise. It took the man the better part of a week to die, Ambrose. But die he did! And the first mate, Mr. Maddox, had to step into command. But that was only the start. A few days in, half the crew had fallen sick, and then half of them were dead, or on the way to it. And to make matters worse, the shark was joined by a French frigate, armed with the teeth with 20 pounders and ready to take us straight to the dead. Even I believed we were bound for the blue hell. Mr. Maddox had every man who could stand stretch every bit of sail, so we could make it to America before the plague or the French left us a ghost ship. But no matter how fast we ran, we woke each morning with that grim old fish hanging in our wake and the French frigate on the horizon. But you made it, right? You must have. We're here now, aren't we? How? It was all Mr. Maddox. He stood at the helm day and night with an eye to the French and an eye to America. When there were too many sick men to make sail, Mr. Maddox tacked the lines himself. How could he man the helm and tack the lines all at once? If ever there was a man that could, it was Maddox. But the curse of that ship followed him as well. He fell ill on the last day of the voyage. And thus ends the tale of the wretched Falmouth. But, were it not for Mr. Maddox's illness, we would be wanting for a surgeon now. How's that? The Falmouth was begin refitting the, night, the first night we were ashore, and Ambrose, Maddox and I went out for a pint. We were the last three still hail, until Mr. Maddox started coughing up blood. Right there on the bar. I confess, I was sure he was going to die. So was T, though he might not say it. I believe he indeed would have expired, had Leon not been there. Damn good thing he was there, but I'm sure it would have been fine. 
Maddox has the constitution of a bow. Hello, Cecil. Mr. Teague, Douglas. Speak of the devil. We were just recounting to young Jamie here the illustrious tale of how you came to know a man Maddox in Boston. What a tale that is. Don't stop on my account. Yes, well, our good doctor fixed Maddox up, but he wasn't fit to sail, so Teague and I took a turn on the August come spring. Teague wrote him scores of letters, but we weren't sure he had made it until we laid eyes on his red head yesterday. You and Mr. Teague sailed with Captain Blackwell then? We picked him up in England on Montague's orders, on account of him wearing his welcome out with the Navy. Really? I did not know. Talk like that only gets you into trouble. Pay him no mind, Mr. Douglas. Leon. Yes, Mr. Lawrence. Still looking a bit pale there, Mr. Douglas. No shame in getting sick. Just don't do it in here. It smells bad enough below decks as it is. Hi, sir. Would you humor me in a game of ombre? I find myself missing it, and Maddox is just awful with cards. I've never played ombre. After the first day of the voyage, Douglas passes them and walks to the stern of the ship. We hear the sound of the wind and the sea in the wake of the ship, and distantly, the sound of a whale. Wrapped for a few moments. Mr. Douglas, shouldn't you be abed? Mr. Maddox! Sorry to frighten you. It's my watch. Well, yes, sir. I was just feeling a bit sick and came to take the air. Ah, that'll pass. In time. Like all manner of sickness. Mr. Teague's been telling me stories. Ah, Teague, that rascal. He was telling me about the foulness, sir. Is it true? Was the ship cursed? Were you really followed by Leviathan? Cursed? Probably not. Poorly captained, mayhap. By myself, mostly. Teague told you about the sharks, didn't he? Yes, sir, he did. <laughs> Were you out here looking for Leviathans? Not as such, sir. You saw those spouts out to larboard, though. Yes. What manner of beast are they? Some sort of whale. More than a year's wages, if we had the skill to catch one. I hear they're so big they can swallow a man whole, like Jonah and the Leviathan. <laughs> Not likely, unless you're the unlucky sort. I wonder if any of them have a Jonah. <laughs> well, they shouldn't bother us so long as we don't bother them. Let's get some sleep, Mr. Douglas. I'll keep a weather eye on your Leviathans. Aye, sir. Thank you, sir.
soon we'll be whooping her out through the locks. We roll and go, with the pretty young girls all come down in their frocks. We rollicking randy dandy-o, heave a ball, heave away. Be rollicking randy dandy oh. Come, press the bars, bullies, heave her away. Way, roll and go. Soon we'll be rolling her down through the bay. Be rollicking randy dandy oh. Heave a ball, heave away. Way, roll and go. The anchor's on board and the cables are stored. To be rollicking.